You're listening to Cool and Unusual Punishment Presents Chosen. This is episode two. My name is Tyler, and joining me tonight, Jody, how are you? I'm good. So, Jody, where are we? Okay. Our first episode was reviewing the results that were released from the crisis intervention team um, investigation Yeah, at Valley Brook following a complaint that had made its way up the chain to them. And we read that report in its entirety. As always, at the top of the episode, I want to remind everybody that we are talking about Valley Brook Church in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, during a very specific period of time. And we are not speaking to what Valley Brook is doing now at their church. For this episode, I wanted to share a personal bunch of experiences, let's call them, that a member of the church who is remaining anonymous at this time submitted to the crisis intervention team ahead of them meeting with people and ahead of the report coming out. This family was quite aware and involved in the church at the time of this upheaval. Yeah. And they wanted to write down their experiences to share with that team while they were still fresh in their mind. So they have had this saved is this something that is was there a sense that something was wrong before official intervention yes i absolutely sure yeah okay this is called our personal experience with abusive patterns we were encouraged to walk away from our own families When we expressed feeling isolated and lacking in friendships at church, it was blamed on our own disobedience or failure to walk in what God has for us. We were manipulated through general teachings and conversations when Doug would set himself up as someone who had special insight from the Holy Spirit. He said to us directly, I see things. He has the gift of prophecy and discernment and can tell if someone is good or bad. He is a, quote, bold truth teller. This is a small aside, but I noticed the word uh, discernment uh, applied to, to Doug, which I, someone who says they have discernment is is a sort of person who, like, if I have an opinion, I know what's right. Yes. <laughs> That's usually what they mean. Right, yeah. I have discernment. The things I think are the things that are also correct. Yes. All right. <laughs> We were taught on stage that inability to accept their truth was the spirit of deception, offense, anger, etc. We allowed ourselves to believe this to a certain extent. We were told we were more broken than we were. He, Doug, took more challenging situations, parenting, lack of friendships, made them into bigger wounds of problems that needed deep healing. Instead of normalizing our situation, especially the friendships, We moved back to town, had babies, tricky work schedule, etc., 
and framed them that we were being confounded by spiritual issues. I was told I was not trusting of anyone in church and alienated people with that distrust. I was aloof and I was unable to receive love. I rejected Doug. Our trust of them, church, was called into question often. It was suggested that if we didn't meet with people from the church, we weren't trusting God. And if we couldn't receive their love, we didn't know how to receive the love of a father. Were they uh, staff at the church or just involved in the community? Yeah, involved in small groups. That's actually the next. I see. Yeah, involved in small groups, but not like an overseer or anything like that. My husband was recruited into a group, the Lead Pastor Leadership Council, that was later named the (laughs) X-Men. I knew you were going to love that. (laughs) I, like, literally knew it. (laughs) You did just the face I knew you would make. (laughs) Doug Doug said he would be Logan, and he would decide who the rest of us are. My husband thought he would be praying for, encouraging, and supporting Doug. Example, providing a safer space to share things since the pastor is kind of in the spotlight. They begin by reading Leading with a Limp by Dan Allander, but gradually it became a place where Doug would choose the topics and direct a discussion not related to pastoral support issues. Essentially, it was a group where Doug hand chose leaders who he could influence and place in the church. He always wanted my husband to start some sort of men's ministry, and my husband just didn't really feel called by God to do that. It was very subtle, but looking back, it was clear that Doug favored my husband over me. He paid only the amount of attention to me that was socially required to not be rude. In other settings, he would favor one spouse over the other as well. So this next section is about the X-Men. Okay. (laughs) formerly known as the Lead Pastor Leadership (laughs) Council. And I looked up uh, Leading with a Limp. It's just a leadership, you know, it's like, um, I don't know if you've ever worked someplace where they have you like a collective read, like, you know, um, crap happens. Cooperative culture, workforce kind of stuff. Yeah, and so like, you know, if the idea of a group like that is to sort of be some sort of support for leadership, I can see where that would be. And these are all, I mean, these X-Men are going to be leaders, so... They're all going to have their own movies. Doug mentioned that the Bible focused only on one small region in the whole populated world at the time. He asked us, what if God was focusing only on Valleybrook to let his favor and glory be known to the entire world? Then asked, has anyone here seen God at work like this anywhere else? No one in the group could think of any examples. But my husband spoke up and said that we had just come from a church in Madison that was seeing people get healed and saved. He also mentioned that there are countries like China and churches around the world that oh, were seeing. No. Oh, no. <laughs> Doug wasn't expecting this. Yeah. Yes, Doug, I've been to other churches. Doug ignored my husband. 
So my husband thought maybe Doug hadn't heard him. So he reiterated himself. The second time Doug ignored his comment and my husband realized Doug didn't think that God was active anywhere else other than Valley Brook. That is so, I mean, a crazy thing to say if you're a pastor to be like, what if, <laughs> what if we're the only important ones? Well, because what if God what that, only loves this building. Well, what he's really saying is I am the important one. You know, I mean, not that it really changes anything other than I think it is important that I think he really thought this, that he was uniquely destined in a way that nobody else had been. Doug said a current Valley Brooker used to be a, quote, liberal pig. Doug would tell us stories about people they had been counseling He shared details of three couples' spiritual abuse stories with the X-Men. My husband had heard much of their story before he ever met these people. So when I mention Converge, I will remind everybody listening again, as it was explained to me, Converge is a denomination. So they had denominational affiliation with Valleybrook at that time. Converge oversees or supports or trains lots of churches They maybe had denominational authority over Valley Brook, but honestly, without the invitation of the overseers, it wasn't known if they had any authority in the abuse situation other than to kick a church out. Yeah. After Converge's conference at Valley Brook, Doug said that Dr. Perry, the regional director of Converge, treated him like a whore. He said that Converge was just terrible. So when Doug told us Valleybrook was leaving a year or more later and breaking away from Converge, nobody protested. Nate called Peace Lutheran Church, which is another church in the area, Peace of Church. Doug spent a long time discussing a couple who were former pastors of a local church that discontinued itself, but they continued in ministry, if that makes sense, in an inappropriate way. When they decided to part ways with Valleybrook after they felt wounded, Doug encouraged us to gossip about them. Here's a quote. What has anyone seen in them? Acting like a victim in that they had issues with him and said they were wounded by him. How could they, when all I ever did was love them, open the overseers meetings to them, etc.? I don't wound people. This is where everyone comes to heal from spiritual abuse. So many members of the X-Men met with Doug and Nate regularly. Doug would remind people of what you were like when you came to me, as if he was responsible for the good changes. Doug constantly told these folks they were the leaders in the church, which is fine if God has given them any authority. One woman he bestowed the God-created identity of, quote, bold truth teller. So she adopted a similar style of confrontation as Doug, and I witnessed being in her wounded group, which we will discuss at a later date. Doug was really grooming in this group to be in leadership in the church, which would be great if it wasn't for his own purposes. Doug suggested that God was withholding friendships from my husband because he wasn't serving enough. Doug told my husband that he lacked discernment and trusted the wrong people. You know what this actually reminds me of is um, like Vince McMahon and his cast of wrestlers. 
like th- being a, a kingmaker yeah. and, and sort of grooming and, and styling people as, as you need. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pitting people against each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. I think this person took a fair amount of notes because this this is um impressive. The next little section here is called Individual Lunches and Meetings in June, July, and August of 2014. We got together for lunch a few times after they told us that they would like to build us up and pour into us. We weren't experiencing any serious problems for which we sought counsel. During our first meeting, it did come up that we loved Valleybrook but had no actual friendships, only casual connections and folks to chat with on Sunday morning. We shared that it's hard to invite people over for dinner or make plans based around nap times, early bedtimes, etc. We said that in order to meet people, we have participated in a few small groups. I led a small group for moms. My husband was in the X-Men. I helped to start Valleybrook Moms with Pastor Michelle Olson, etc. Doug told us we would, quote, never make friendships this way because the settings were artificial and didn't allow people to be real, end quote. He said we were, quote, too formal and organized and nobody made authentic connections this way. We also mentioned that we seem to have a lot of distractions come up, like a broken window blind in a bedroom, a tree branch falling on our fence, having a hard time getting someone to come and fix it, that we felt interfered with a focus on relationships. Doug said that was God frustrating us because we weren't in fellowship. (sighs) This guy! If we obeyed and walked in to what God had for us, we would be surprised at how many of those things would go away. I was always confused as to what exactly, quote, God had for us that we were resisting so much. Even the fact that we didn't see our calling made us feel disconnected from God. Doug then told me, with whom I had spent very little time, that relationships are not a priority for you. Please keep in mind that my husband is in healthcare, which requires an unpredictable 24 7, 365 kind of schedule. And at that time, our kids were three and five. I said, that doesn't sound right. I have maintained friendships from every stage of my life, age 5, 15, 21, and my recent residency girlfriends, and I've had a ton of moms and kids over for Valleybrook Moms, which isn't always easy. Doug replied, well, I meant in church. You just don't trust people in church, and they can tell. That's what you put out there. You come across as aloof and not very inviting. No one had ever told me stuff like that before, and it didn't seem right to me, but I let the seed be planted. I thought it could be true because I am often chasing my young boys in the lobby, so I probably don't seem like I welcome conversation. This podcast is not about the religion of me or you or anybody else, right? But I feel like I must say that I have been to church at various points in my life And I cannot imagine hearing any one of these things. Like, I can't believe that somebody spoke to people like this. Yeah. In a place that's ostensibly a place for healing and and like togetherness. So, of course, like, you think to yourself, I mean, it's like having a bad boss or whatever. You know, anytime there's somebody who's in a place of power over you. And you have a sense that they aren't okay, 
you then think, well, somebody is above them. Somebody is aware of this, right? And if it weren't okay, they wouldn't be here. And it's like, oh, wrong. Yeah, it's like if your boss told you that, no, the reason like that tree fell you know, on your window is because my boss is disappointed in you. Yeah, so don't, right. So don't even bother. Yeah, yeah. And if you did this right, then maybe those things <laughs> yeah, maybe won't happen stop, to you. Yeah. In the report, it had mentioned Doug's way of like targeting faults and weaknesses and stuff. This is remarkable and how like small and petty it can be. Mm-hmm. Like just just like when you're here on Sunday, like you're kind of like an unapproachable hag. Don't you think that's don't you think you should probably put on a, a smile while you're here? It's so like, oh, so you can never really be comfortable <laughs> while you're here. And for real, what pastor? And there were times when that congregation was quite sizable, you yeah. know, like what pastor would really have time to observe that? Yeah. Or maybe he did. No, you know, I mean, well, certainly it wasn't true in the first place, but like the comment that she makes, you know, about, well, I was chasing my kids and whatever, you know, it would be, you know, on a a larger scale, if you picked up the phone and the president was like, you just don't really seem to like America. Yeah, are you in America? Like, th- you're not very patriotic. Yeah. Right? Like, it's vague enough that, like, <laughs> yeah, you're not if, very. If you if yeah. you put a, if you have a lot of respect for the person telling you, like, it only needs to be that much because then you'll fill in the rest with like, oh, I am aloof. Yeah. What about the time my kids were running around. Yeah. 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 From then on, after a long day of child rearing, when I chose to relax or spend time with my husband. Because that's all I had energy for. I would let those words in. Quote, you are not choosing to pursue relationships right now. It is true. They are not a priority. I was a former working person, now a stay-at-home mom with really young children. And I had relocated to the area somewhat recently. Doug took a person who expressed feeling lonely and isolated, but who desired true relationships in the church. And he placed the blame on me. The thought of being fully responsible to manifest friendships at that time was overwhelming. You know, also, I feel like this is a good recipe for manifesting friendships that aren't actually genuine. If you were pursuing them within the church community with the desperation of of someone who's being told they're not making enough friends. Yeah. And what an odd thing to dwell on. Yeah. How many friendships you have in the church? What in the heck? Doug's a man of God, so. And he's got a very discerning... And he's basically Magneto. (laughs) (laughs) Another reason we were told we didn't have friendships is because Valley Brook is full of broken people who don't really know how to be in a relationship. My husband kind of responded with an, oh, like he didn't realize it was that bad, but he could understand. At a later lunch... My husband shared something. We don't remember what. And Doug said, welcome to the club. We have just been waiting for you to realize you are one of the broken people. You were so willing to believe that everyone else was broken, but you needed to realize on your own that you are broken too. We wanted to tell you, but we knew you needed to hear it from God. This is off the rails. (laughs) (laughs) This is so crazy. To do to somebody. How could you keep track of, you know, because like how many people did this happen to? And how could you 
What? How could you? You would spend your whole life learning every detail to get to people in the ways that yeah. you knew would get yeah. to them. Yeah. Specifically, they implied that my husband had been pridefully looking down at all the broken folks, which he had not done. My husband does realize that we are all broken and need Jesus, so he was willing to consider that point. But their tone wasn't, quote, we're all sinners who need Christ. It was, quote, you are mostly wounded and weak. My husband thought, wow, I never realized how deep it went. And Doug now had another person trained to seek out healing, a la Lebsack. My husband knew his childhood wasn't perfect, but now he began to question everything. Doug and Nate had lunch with us the day Doug's father was dying. After he received a text about his father's failing status, we said, oh, you certainly don't have to continue this lunch. You can go and be with your parents. Doug replied, there is no life there, only death. This is where life is with people in our church. We need to be here, breathing life into you so you can be leaders in the church. And then he told us how much freedom his wife experienced when her mom died. How the minute they got the call, they could just see darkness lift off of Robin and that they didn't go to the funeral because they needed to remain in that freedom. And he was excited to see how much spiritual darkness he would be released from when his dad died. We were not sure how to respond to this and felt really uncomfortable. For this guy to be telling people to be the judge of other people's brokenness, that is one of the darkest things I've ever heard somebody say. And imagine the guilt you would feel, even if it's unspoken, if he gets that text and you're like, oh my god, you can, you don't have to stay here yeah. at lunch. And he's like, no, I'll stay. Right. <laughs> I guess I better make this a great lunch then. Yeah. Oh, man. Here's another one. The church was closed for a staff meeting when we had a scheduled appointment with Doug and Nate. There was a sign on the door and we just waited until they came down. I believe most of the time when you read they in here, it's Doug and Nate. Right. They asked us what we were thinking when we had to wait. We replied, we did double check our email to make sure we hadn't misunderstood the time and date. Then we figured your meeting must have gone over and we were fine waiting. They suggested all of these paranoid thoughts. Such as, did you think we did this on purpose? Did you think we set you up so you would come here and we never planned on meeting with you? Were you wondering if we were watching you from a window? Nate would have had those thoughts. We thought they were fishing for paranoid thoughts. What a weird reveal of the kind of person you are to just launch into some paranoid. If I think of times when I've waited anywhere <laughs> and I would to be... Was to Did be you asked. think we were pulling a prank on you? Yeah. Did you think we were filming you, not knowing where we are, so we could put it on the internet and laugh at you? During this meeting, they had us sit in a low couch while they sat in chairs that were a good two to three feet taller than our position. They were literally hovering over us. We don't remember most of this meeting because afterwards we discussed that they seemed off and we didn't accept most of what they said. So you're going to see, I'm skipping a lot, because there's sections that pertain to episodes uh-huh so i'm not going to read it now because we're going to hear about it when we get to those sections however the end part of this is called and now here we are 
We have spent countless hours writing this, talking about and processing the abuse and all that is going on. It has taken a toll on us personally in many areas. And I do want to stress that any laughter in this is at the absurd behavior. Yeah. This is not funny. We both understand that. Yes, absolutely. We lost the friendship of a couple who had just headed for the hills and left everyone behind. We don't blame them, but it was a loss. We question how we allowed ourselves to be manipulated and how we will know how to trust in the future. We cringe at some of the misused words that are supposed to be beautiful. Truth, love, healing, trust. Some former Valley Brookers still hate those words. The majority of this... It was written at the time the crisis team was coming, so yeah. that was still their church. Mm-hmm. The church God has called us to stay in for now, and they aren't there anymore, is currently still dominated by an abusive system. The false teacher is gone, but his influence is still in charge. And most of the people who see what happened have left, leaving a majority of folks who defend the abuser, including some of the overseers. We felt vulnerable at church because we have spoken directly against spiritual and emotional abuse in certain contexts. My husband resigned from the X-Men with an email to all of them. We had a conversation with Mary Clark, whom is somebody else involved in the church at a high level, in which I told her outright that we can't trust her until we know she is not a gateway of Doug's influence in the church, and we have been in communication with the overseers. The wife of an overseer accidentally sent me an email, sent a reply instead of a foreword, that this wife had intended for somebody else at the church, stating, I wish, name redacted, would stop perceiving herself as a go-between. When I had contacted her about people not receiving the first overseer letter, members were asking me to forward it to them because they were not on the correct directory list to receive emails. Technically, I was going between, but I was also advocating for people to have access to information about what was going on, My emails were very respectful and kind. This wife of an overseer didn't have to go out of her way to criticize me. This person did apologize, but the apology was perceived as someone who got caught. This wife and her husband, who was an overseer, appear to be completely loyal to Doug. They know how we feel about him, and they are in charge of this group called the Little Brooksters, which is like for kids. The program our youngest son would participate in. We don't feel comfortable bringing him at this time. We are subjected to teachings and overseer speeches, blaming the church body for, quote, idolizing the pastors, putting these men on pedestals. It's our own personal pride, etc. The situation is being minimized by referring to it as a conflict between two parties, Grant and Doug and Nate, and we may never know what really happened. They are continuing right where Doug left off with the Love Series, preaching that Valleybrook Church is a bright light to the whole Chippewa Valley when we are really just a sick, sick body. The men being asked to speak were very, very close with Doug and still do not have open eyes. I understand the need for neutrality during this investigation, but they could just refrain from speaking on it at all. We worry that the church will not take seriously the results of this investigation and that's where it ends. So this is what um, was submitted to that crisis team. And certainly, some of these things are echoed 
to various degrees, you know, and I have no doubt that other people shared similar stuff. Yeah. And again, you know, that family is no longer with the church that was sent to the crisis team at the time of this crisis. So those opinions are from a particular period of time. So what's next? We are starting um, next episode at the beginning. The roots of Valley Brook and how the church started. Brief introduction. And then we are just going to progress through topics over time, building up to what happened so that people can better understand the various breaking points that a lot of folks in the congregation would point to. Of course, there are people who say, I knew he was off from the very beginning, but a lot of people have these very bulleted things that happen that started to get them really concerned beyond just like what I read here where a family might say, that feels off, but Mm -hmm. that's what's coming up. It's going to be a long series. All right, then. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time. Stay tuned. Chosen is presented by Cool and Unusual Punishment. Research and interviewing by Jody Haas with editing and mixing by me. Our theme music for this series is by Zavely with additional music by Rick Dickard, AG Music, John Wright, and Christian Ayan. This podcast is a proud member of the Nerd and Tie Network, a coalition of Wisconsin-produced shows that you can find at nerdandtie.com. Our website, where you can find links to the material and documents we reference, is coolandunusualpunishment.com. I mean, these X-Men are going to be leaders, so... They're all going to have their own movies. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.